What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 237 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Emily Milsom from Ignition Point Coaching. And boy, was it an inspirational episode. Emily was stuck in the corporate world back in the United Kingdom and decided that she was sick of it and it was time to break free. She found herself just getting so depressed and sick and unhappy and could attribute it to her nine to five, her routine that she was stuck in and was not happy with. So she took responsibility for that life situation and she decided to become location independent, take her skill set, figure out a way to make a living online. And she's been nomading around the world for the last six years. And lo and behold, from her endeavors and her skill set as a writer, she has produced an ebook called Growing Nomadic, UK Woman Edition. And I think it would be extremely helpful to anybody listening who's considering this lifestyle, not just women, but she does focus specifically on UK women who are looking to break free from the corporate world. And I think that it was a tremendously powerful episode for me to hear and get connected with somebody like her because one thing that came out of it was her suggestion that I write my own ebook. And it really got me thinking. It got me really excited. She suggested that I take you know, a dozen or so episodes from the past, find a common theme, and write an ebook about some of these past really inspirational stories for a new type of audience, people who don't listen to podcasts and prefer to read. And it is something I have considered in the past. In fact, Misfits and Rejects originally, when I thought of creating something around that title, it was going to be a book about these beautiful individuals that I encountered on the road. But that idea got sidelined primarily because I'm not a great writer, and the podcast was born. But now, with so many years under my belt and so many amazing stories out there, her suggestion really got me excited. And so I am seriously considering it. One thing I'm asking of you, if you're interested in helping me with this project, would be finding out what kind of themes you really like from the past. If there's a common theme that you think would be a really powerful ebook, I'd love to hear from you. Whether it's an ebook on digital nomads, or whether it's an ebook on individual adventures, or if it's an ebook on female adventures or female digital nomads, I'd love to hear a few themes that you think would be powerful and inspirational for those individuals who prefer reading and not listening to podcasts. So This was an extremely exciting episode for me, not just to hear her story, but to also get super motivated and excited about the potential of creating my own ebook, which I know is a huge endeavor, but it's nice to know I have somebody in my corner like Emily, who's willing to kind of guide me through the process. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you, getting your feedback, and you can do that by sending me an email, chapin at misfitsandrejects.com. But for now, get ready to get really inspired with Emily Milsom from Ignition Point Coaching. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Emily Milsom from Ignition Point Coaching. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. We uh, had a nice little convo before we jumped on here. It was nice to know that you found me via Google. 
So, I mean, hey, I I have at least ranked somewhere within a specific search, which you said was a nomad search you did. Yeah, you definitely came up there. I was like, ooh, that looked like an interesting podcast. So I kind of went and checked it out. Do you mind me? Like, did, was it the name that caught your attention? Like, I'm just really trying to find out, like, what people are drawn to when they discover it. So you got it through Google, and then what grabbed you about it? I think it was definitely the, the phrase misfits, because I definitely know that that's something that I feel like in my own life, that I'm a misfit. Like, I don't fit in with what a lot of my friends from home are doing. And every time I take a new step, I'm like, oh, are there other people doing this? Is Am I the misfit? So I kind of related to that. Beautiful. I'm happy to hear that. And I get most of my guests, actually 99.9% .9 of my guests say the same thing. They relate to those words. Um, I have had a few who disagree. However, they still chose to come on the podcast. Um, and they gave their own kind of definition of how they would choose to interpret it, which I always appreciate because it's a very you know, subjective thing for individuals to just identify with those words in various ways. So I'm glad you did identify with it. And with that said, like, where are you from? So I'm from the UK, I'm British, um, but I kind of see myself as a bit of a global citizen these days because I just the whole world is where I call home, like parts of me are left in Bali, Taiwan, you know, it's everywhere I go, I build a new little home. So, but UK is where the accent originates from. So if you hadn't already sort of gathered that. What part of the UK? Um, I'm from Yorkshire. The Well, Yorkshire is a very big county, but yeah, so kind of the Northern England area. Cool. And how long have you been on the road as a nomad? I mean, so it's one of those complicated answers, but I normally answer about six or six years. Um, it kind of started off a bit, I was nomading a bit around the UK. I kind of did it step by step. I kind of upped and left and started living with my brother. Then I started like staying, I went to Greece for a few weeks and stayed with a friend and then ended up staying with a few different people around the UK. And then I left, but I still count that as nomading because I didn't have that sort of fixed permanent residence. So it's about six or seven years. I think that's totally fair. And I think there's no shame in, yeah, counting that because you're moving, you're doing what you want. And that's part of the lifestyle, like getting to operate location independently from work, which it sounds like you've been doing for six years. And uh, even if it's within your own country, I mean, there's a lot of people who just van life in America, even though they're American, they, they work out of their vans and they just go from campsite to campsite and do their thing. And so where did you, how did you, liberate yourself from the corporate world in the United Kingdom? Oh, so take us back to 2016. And I think I just realized that nine to five was not working for me. It actually was making me really sick. And um, I got really sort of depressed and started to experience a lot of social anxiety. It was, it got to the point where, you know, sometimes something's so painful that you just can't not do something. It really got to that. And um, and I just, one day I went to visit my best friend and we had a con frank conversation and she said, I think you need to leave. And I said, I think I need to leave. So I ended up handing my notice in sort of the following Monday with no real plan other than I was like, well, let's try it on my own. You know, let's start up a business, put some savings away for a couple of months and quit my job and started my first business, which was the social boffin. So that was kind of like the origination of my nomad dream. So can you repeat that? The social what? 
the social boffin. So it's a British term that means geek, but it's just boffin. And that was your first business when you left the corporate world? Yes, which was kind of like social media marketing training and doing a bit of it. It's what I was professionally working in. So as most people do, they go, oh, I'm doing that for my you know, professional life. I could just do that for myself. But I soon kind of realized mm, a couple of years in that that's actually not what I wanted to do at all. But it kind of took a while to sort of really experience that to actually come to the realization that it wasn't right. Fair enough. So you were working in the corporate world as a social media marketer for a big corporation? Um, actually, I was working for an international marketing agency. So this was actually probably the real seedling of the idea of wanting to travel because about 80% of the people that worked for the company weren't British. So there was a lot of people from Europe and the state, well, just basically across the globe. And it meant I was exposed to all these different cultures and people. And I just got really excited. I was like, I want to go to these places. Like these people are just like me. I'm just seeing myself. And, you know, we would have like Polish holidays that we would celebrate. And then we'd have the Chinese, you know, the Lunar New Year. And I was just like, I really want to travel. And it kind of grew from that. Like I started living with a French girl. I met one of my best friends who's Romanian. So my life just kind of like exploded from that little UK bubble to like, wow, there's a world out there. And that's definitely when it started. That's cool. So with you leaving your job, it sounded like you did have a plan. You were going to save up for a few months. And then when you did, was there any fear apprehension or was it still such a clear like, yes, I need to get out that you didn't have to overcome any fear and apprehension? I kind of gave myself like 12 weeks. I handed my notice, but I worked 12 weeks, which allowed me to like, I'd done it, but I could gather myself. And I actually, like I said, I took a baby step. So I actually moved in with my brother. I moved my whole life. I went down to the south coast of England, which was about five hours away. I knew nobody really. I had to start again. But I knew that if I could start building a life in the way that I wanted, like, with it being an entrepreneur and everything, if I could force myself to clear everything out, I would have to go out and do it. So that was about just under a year of building my business, networking. And I don't, most people, I think when they start an entrepreneurial journey, it they realize, soon realize it's kind of like a personal development journey as well. So like I went through a lot of stuff in that first year, like just reading the books you know the business books like discovering a lot of way about doing business but really it was like learning about yourself because the first time you send an invoice and it gets paid it's like this euphoric moment in life and then the first time someone says something bad about you in business and it's like this you're like heart drops and like it's you're so in tune with your business your emotions you're alive and it's terrifying but it's also brilliant so that was kind of the first year in business for me. <laughs> it's impressive that you were able to leave your job and start your business and within a year become profitable. And that's what it sounds like. You became profitable within a year and sustained your lifestyle. I wouldn't say it was that easy. I, maybe I gave the impression and I was, I got, I think I started doing, I get income a lot quicker than other people do. Like I've always been a bit savvy in that front. 
like I was getting clients within a few months, that kind of thing. I'd kind of hit the nail on the head with a few of the product offerings that I'd put out there. But that wasn't really the problem for me. It was that I was building a business in something that I didn't really want to do (laughs) and stuck in a place I didn't want to be. Like at that point, I was still in the UK and I was like, oh, to build this kind of business, I have to be in one spot. And that's when like the rub started to happen. I was like, my business was growing and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I went through another like, oh, crap (laughs) moment. And realized that I kind of needed to do something different. And that's when like quite a, um, a, an opportunity popped up. So a friend of mine that I used to work with at an old company had started her own business. And she offered me a contract doing work for her business. And I could do that from anywhere. And that is what gave me the wings. And that is what gave me the financial like security to be able to go and enough income to start traveling. So... I think it was actually that point is what really enabled me to become nomadic. But the job that she offered you was still in social media marketing? Absolutely. It was like a niche of social media marketing called employee advocacy. It, that's kind of where you get your employees to advocate for you on their own social platforms. So it was still a lot of the social media stuff I knew, personal branding, training. It was how, teaching people how to use LinkedIn, writing blog content a lot of the skills that I had and I just transferred them into like this specific area and was able to work for someone else. So that's when I began contracting as well. And somehow that was more fulfilling than what you were doing within your own business. It wasn't that it was more fulfilling. It was that it gave me the ability to travel. And at that point in my life, I'd never left Europe. I was like, I was with these little wings that were like desperate to take flight and it was knowing that I had work regularly so I could focus on what it took to become a nomad because I think changing your whole life, like I've done it in stages and I think if anyone tries to do it all at once, it's actually really overwhelming. Like re unpicking the whole nine to five, the whole productivity, got to work 40 hours a week, all these things take time to unpick and rebuild in a way that works for you. So for me personally, I couldn't really work on building a business and learning how to be nomadic. So for me, it took a sort of a burden off my shoulders to be able to have this work, something I knew how to do, something that paid fairly well. So it was about £30 an hour I was earning, which I think is about $45 for context. And that was sort of an hourly rate and I was getting between sort of 20 to 30 hours of a, a week at one point you know it kind of varied a little but it just made everything so much easier and that's when I started moving from house to house and that's when I built up the courage to go to Thailand in I think it was no I do know it's March 2018 and that's like my moment I don't know if you have a moment but there's a moment where you just something switches and you make that big leap And for me, it was on the 5th of March, 2018, when I boarded that flight to Thailand. And I still remember the feeling of like in my chest of it, like bubbling up and just me going, crap, I'm doing it. Yay, I'm doing it. And like, that was, I just, you probably can't hear it, but I got a huge smile on my face when I think about that, because that's when my life changed. That's cool. And I guess leaving knowing that you had that financial security to land in a country like Thailand, which obviously you knew was going to be inexpensive. 
were going to you were going to be able to sustain yourself and with the you know information you had looked into about it you knew it was safe so it's kind of just all the pieces were there for you to just to go and not have any apprehension there was no fear at that point it sounds like not really like i someone a friend had mentioned it a few like a year or so earlier and then all the research just said thailand chiang mai specifically you know there's a great community there it's really safe for a woman to go as well that was a big thing for me and it was affordable you know you could live off somewhere you could stay in hostels if you wanted to you could probably get you know it was all it all ticked enough boxes that i was confident enough to go all right let's go (laughs) and i can't complain and how long were you in chiang mai because i showed up in october of 2018 um, were you there in Chiang Mai? Uh, no, I wasn't actually. So interestingly, I, because it was my first time, I just booked like a four week trip. I was going to go there and come back and figure it out. Like it was so new to me that I just thought, do this little bit, figure out, like you can only go uh, in retrospect. I'm like, of course you can only go one step up the ladder and you know, you can only see what's next. So that's what I did. But when I was there, I loved it so much. I extended my trip, changed my flight, stayed an extra three weeks. And the only reason I had to come back was because my brother was getting married. You know, like these little connections we have back home that sometimes kind of pull us in different directions. Um, But I do remember being at the airport waiting for my flight in Bangkok and just like a tear rolling down my cheek because I was just so sad to leave. Like, I'd really found like a place where I felt like I could be more myself and shared like this old Emily, like a lot of the stuff about how I, who I thought I was. And I was just so sad to go. But looking back, I think it was really all part of the journey because I had so much other things to do to get to the point where I could launch and become more full time, like abroad. Um, Yeah. I can really relate to that feeling of finding your tribe or finding that place where you know you fit and the thought of where you came from versus where you're at is, is such that there's no doubt that maybe where you come from isn't where you belong. And I have that for myself and always have, and it's a beautiful place with beautiful people, but I don't fit in here. You know, I know that in every cell of my body, but I do fit in like you as a, international citizen or person of the world in places like Thailand, like Mexico, where it's like just having, I live in Costa Mesa, California right now, and there's a lot of Latinos around me. And so I hear a lot of like Spanish music, like specifically from Mexico and I hear it and I instantly just get nostalgic. Like I want to be there in that all the time. And so then when you had to go back for your brother's wedding, knowing that now this is not really where you belong, what was the plan you were starting to create? Like, what was the next move? Um, so when I came back, the first promise I made my, to myself was that I was going back to Thailand in October. Um, I was like, October, you're going back. Um, and in the meantime, I kind of, I had a holiday planned with a friend, two-week holiday in South Korea. So I came back, and then two weeks later, went back to South Korea, came back again. These things happen. Um, and then I kind of spent... A bit of time minimalizing so I had a lot of my stuff still so I'd like given up my rent but I still had possessions that I no longer needed like kitchen stuff and I knew I wanted to be nomadic so I kind of started this whole process of just like cleaning everything out and I think that's a whole emotional 
process in itself like it's part of the unshedding so I really just actually took I think it was a couple of months like June that summer and I pulled all my stuff together started going through selling and all that kind of thing and it was really therapeutic and then I went off to Portugal for a couple of months which I was in Lisbon and it was just like a completely different nomad experience to Thailand like I think there really is like depending on what continent you're on what country you're in of course really changes the kind of experience you're having like Thailand is a very like and probably Southeast Asia I would say a lot of Asia there is this just like the weather's really good everything's cheap like everything's it's a very relaxed living but I found in Portugal that it was just it had a bit more of a similar energy to home wow I've only just realized that that's just really come to me as I've talked it out loud that maybe that's why I didn't enjoy it as much because it was it felt a lot more similar to home in the sense that everything was a bit more expensive like you couldn't eat out three times a day like that budget would have been insane like you know it's a lot more like home cooking in the hostels that I was staying in and I did go on a road trip and like I had started to make my tribe I'd when the first week I was in Thailand I went to this thing I don't know if you've ever heard of it it's called the nomad girls lunch it's like a weekly lunch that's specifically for nomad women in Chiang Mai and that was one of the first things I went to and I met this group of women and at least five of them I still talk to this day which is like six years later like what an igniting point like honestly like just to think I might not have gone that week because I was so jet lagged and tired and I was like emotionally raw. I was like, what am I doing across the world? And and I went to this meeting and I met these women who just like opened their arms and said, hi, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? Who are you? Like, tell us about yourself. And so I started from that point building this community. So when I was in Portugal, I actually met one of my friends there, one flew in, we went for a road trip. And I think that's when I started realizing that that's the kind of nomading I like to do. Like going where my people were, like I didn't like to go to a country and know nobody. It would, I'd love to go to a place because of a person, not because of a country. And I think that is quite a different style of nomading for many people really go for the country. And I found it was the people that I was going for. Yeah, I think as you, especially with somebody like yourself who's an online entrepreneur or digital nomad or making their money online, when you do kind of get into those tribes and everyone's doing that, then you start going to places for them. Like I'm in an international mastermind called the Dynamite Circle, and we meet up all around the world. Like I was just in Mexico City with them, and um, I went there specifically for that group. You know, a lot of them travel together. A lot of them are on this full circuit. You know, that's three months in Thailand. When it was three months in Thailand, super easy to get in and out. Then they would go to like Colombia after that together. And then they would just kind of nomad around the world together. And then you had a few of the people that would just kind of like do the main events at the various locations around the world and then go nomad by themselves. So you have all tops, you know, types of people doing it. But yeah, I think that one connection that we all make when we're online business people is needing that kind of support system. Cause you said something interesting to me that, I mean, I don't know many nomads who go to hostels to work, you know, or like stay in hostels. Like most people are getting their Airbnbs um, either as a group, you know, they get a big bomber Airbnb in uh, say Changu and they live for like six months. Everyone's doing their online business and they, you know, have dinners together. 
Um, so you saying you were starting off in hostels is kind of unique and interesting, I think. Yeah, I think probably at the beginning, the hostel thing was definitely kind of like a money saving thing. Like, you know, it's so much easier to be in a hostel. But I've always been a very social person. Like, I just, I could talk to anybody about anything. Like, honestly, I could high level it about something I've never really, I've read one article about it and we could have a conversation, you know. So I think staying in hostels for me really allowed me to meet people really easily because I think sometimes my sort of sometimes it's not exactly social anxiety but sometimes it would be difficult for me to sort of go out and meet new people so kind of when you have that people around you all the time coming and going it creates a flow of energy that I really liked to tap into and especially when I first started traveling I was I was kind of tapping more into that traveling vibe like I'd never backpacked myself I'd never really had that freedom kind of a late bloomer in many ways and it really allowed me to just work and then go out and go on that trip or go out for that drinking and just kind of tap into that really less responsibility, more fun vibe that you get from backpackers. I think over time that became less attractive because it's very, they have so much energy and you're like, whoa, I've got to work. I got to sleep. I got a work call. I've got to make the money. Like I'm not on vacation. I'm you know, this is my life. And so it did change over time. Like sometimes I would rent like a place by myself in Bali. And then other times it just got really lonely. And I was like, this isn't actually what I want. Like I preferred to be in a quieter Airbnb and just have my little, my little bed. And, but I would have a community that I would go out to every day. I was part of a co-working place. So I could just go and work there. Like it's, it was just a bed and like, there was someone, you know, the people that took care of the hostel. I'm talking specifically about one in Changu that I stayed at for a really long time. And I actually read somewhere else that, like, that's actually kind of a, a certain style of, like, nomading. Like, some people just they kind of live out of Airbnbs, but they're not really there all the time. They're not they're not being there. And I think when you rent, a, like, a flat or something, you end up spending a lot of time in it. So it's kind of just, like, being able to tap into different energies, I think. You'd be fun to dissect the various styles of nomading because it is, I think, diverse in the way people do it. And we just described a few, but I'd love to kind of peel back the layers of each individual and group out there and individual how they do it. Because, yeah, like I, last week or this week's episode with uh, Norm Bauer talks about, you know, the difference between traveler versus vacationer. You know, which is, as you noted, when you're in a hostel and everyone's on vacation and you're not, energy is very different. You know, your mindset is very different. You're not just getting fucked up every day, all day partying. You know, it's like you can try, but you're not going to make much money, you know, and you have to kind of set those boundaries and create healthy routines because this is your lifestyle at this point. You're not just a, you're a tourist. You're not always a tourist, but you're not on vacation. You know, this is your lifestyle. But I want to touch upon something because when you were still in the UK in your cor in the corporate job, you, you mentioned you were getting like social anxiety and depression. And then when you headed to Thailand, it sounds like a lot of that was released. Has is that true? Has that kind of sustained itself when you kind of found where you you felt like you belonged in this world? Has has that kind of dissipated, disappeared? Um. So yes and no. We're going to answer in that way. So yes, in the sense that. 
I kind of get a lot of that's my kind of reaction to when um, my brain knows something's wrong and my body kind of says like you're not listening like this is not right for you so I kind of realized that that often when I get like depressive episodes or social anxiety it's just like a physical reaction to what's not right and as I've peeled back the layers of the onion of my life in every layer there's something that I've had to change and work on and sometimes I've resisted it and that has caused periods of depression or um, anxiety in situations but most of the times I've learned how to spot it how to deal with it how to embrace it in many ways because in the beginning I often just pushed it away like work through it work through it you'll be fine and I would just be out for like a week like I'd just be like hold up my room it's it's not like nomading just got rid of all my mental health issues but it did help me to start understanding how I could sit with them better how I could use them as a tool to see what was needed changing in my life um so yes and no (laughs) the answer the signpost that you're using that like mental emotional signpost that indicates to you that you're not on the right path was that something you discovered on the road or was that something you already knew about yourself prior to leaving the UK? Discovered that on the road so, so, so much. Yeah, it was absolutely because I I genuinely thought it would fix it. Like it was, you know, like I was like, oh, I left my job on a very like, long time ago. I left my partner and then I left my job and then I left England. And I kept thinking like these external things would just make it all better inside. And it did because it got me to the point where I could deal with the stuff that was inside, like the some some deep childhood traumas that I have. And so every time it's just like allowed me to get closer to the real work that needed to be done. So I'm really thankful to the choices, the path that I'm on that has allowed me to do that work. And then when you did start seeing that there was more work that needed to be done and the 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 trips weren't necessarily solving the problem entirely. What did you do to start digging deeper? Were you going to therapy or were you kind of trying to figure it out on your own? Were you doing ayahuasca? Um, so I kind of had it in stages. So before I left the country, I was working with a life coach, therapist, psychologist. She was kind of a multi layered and she's the one that kind of made me realize that I wanted to go traveling and to be contracting so she was part of that first initial change um but then interestingly just as the pandemic hit at the beginning of 2020 I was in Singapore and then I was in Malaysia Kuala Lumpur and a lot of stuff was coming up like I felt this calling to go home which I hadn't felt in a really long time like I wanted to be back in the UK and it wasn't to do with the pandemic so much. Like I knew that that was becoming a thing. But at that point, I think it was sort of late February. It wasn't such a huge, you know, worldwide thing. But I just felt the calling to go home. And I, I don't, I, even to this day, I'm not really sure why. I just, the gut was telling me. So I went home and went to stay with my friend for two weeks and ended up staying for four months because we got locked down. And one of those happy accidents because she was just, the perfect person to be in lockdown with you know very you know emotionally aware spiritual you know we have a really deep connection um and 
it was then that things kind of started falling apart. Like work, re- I realized the contracting I'd been doing was just over. That relationship was done. I had to let it go. And then it kind of um, really snowballed through the pandemic because because I wasn't traveling anymore. There was just all this empty space, you know? When you're nomading, like you, you go to meetings, you, you have events, you have dinners every day, like your life is so busy with all the stuff you're doing and the emotional stuff you're coping with. Like, where do I get my SIM card? Where am I going next? What's doing this? Like, you're just busy nomading. Like that's a whole energy level in itself. So to then be somewhere and I didn't have any of that, that's when I really kind of realized that there was work to be done. Like I had kind of created this space for myself to do this healing work because I couldn't advance any further until I did it. I mean, I can relate as you speak. I mean, looking at where I'm at right now with my life and podcast and online entrepreneurship venture, like I'm stuck, you know, and I've been doing basically the same thing for seven years and it's, progressed me to where I've been stuck now for the last God even knows I have to think you know back and, and see when I would I could say this is when I started getting stuck but I have in my past also relatable experiences where it's like there was moments where I was there were signs that I was not paying attention to you know in myself um, in my environment that I just was hoping would go away or I'd figure my way through it and you know, in you saying what you just said, it's it's more likely me needing to address something in me, you know, and with the episode 200 and I forget whatever it was in the last five episodes when I'm just like, you know, two like might have been like two episodes ago with Leon where it's like it's time to take responsibility for this in a way that is scary, you know, like I genuinely think I do a lot of internal work on myself. I'm constantly trying to understand myself better and progress as a human, but there's maybe something that I'm missing and I need to go deeper on it, you know? And so when you just, when you have those moments, what do you do? Like what steps do you take to unblock yourself or discover that, that piece of the puzzle that's holding you back? So I'm kind of the person that I am, I think I'm a little stubborn. I must be, but I kind of have to think quite deep for like for real big change, like a real depressive episode or something where it's really like, come on now, like get on, you know, like it's time to do something. And I normally just ask for help. That is like it's I'm really a communicator. I'm a talker. Like I have people to reflect off my mirrors, my uh, my support community. But sometimes I think you need professional help. And I, I'm kind of a, I'm a big advocate for therapy, counseling, you know, coaching. You know, as a coach myself, I know how important it is to have someone on your team. And whether it depends on the work that needs to be done, is who your pl- that player is. So about a year ago, I had this. It's literally a year ago to like almost a day. Um, I had a complete and massive breakdown, like depressive episode. I was rented a room, a flat off my friend because um, we're in another lockdown. I ended up being in this flat by myself in this town called Colchester. And I just lost the complete will to live. Like I had nothing. I, I couldn't find my reason to be alive. Like there was just this emptiness inside. 
and and I just kind of sat with it because I think a lot of the time we really really just push it away we're like I don't want to feel shitty how do I fix it and I've done that a lot before and I realized in this instance I kind of just needed to make friends with it in a, a strange way and feel what it was like to sort of stand on the edge of the abyss and look down and be like okay this is you know this is what it is and it was a really kind of rough couple of months but I also had my people like I you know people rang me we had conversations my she's kind of like my second mom really was there for me and and then I got a therapist I was like okay this thing really needs to be looked at and I know that you talked with Owen and um about his mother's death so for me is my mother died when I was eight years old and that kind of implosion of my life has just permeated through every layer over the years to this day as an adult and I realized how much I needed to finally face that and like that as well as like how that it affected my family and myself so it was the horriblest experience, but it was also one of the most life-changing experiences. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I feel that right now. I just get, like, teary-eyed thinking about my mom's passing, too, you know, and how many, like, unsort of uh, resolved emotions around it. But that led you to kind of where you're at right now, you know, with your, your coaching as well, or no? Were you kind of on that path prior? Actually, I wasn't at all. Like, I shied away from coaching so much because I just didn't feel like that my voice or thoughts were, you know, worthy enough, I think, was a big part of it. But I definitely, I think it was around May, I had this epiphany moment where I was just like, oh, I'm supposed to coach. Like, I just, I started, like, doing a sort of a little course about coaching. I was kind of exploring people had just taken three months of coaching I just found someone and I worked with her at the same time I'd started therapy because I needed some forward motion because I'd felt so stuck and I couldn't just work on my past I had to work on my future and I know that's quite uncommon because most people like focus on one thing but I'm quite complex so I was like I needed something to push me forward as well as help me heal the past and it was working with her that kind of really started to give me the idea that, you know, I could coach. Like, you know, I had the key skills. I had the experience. I had I had this thing that I'd been doing for six years that had just completely changed my mindset. It had changed the way I approached life, the way I changed people and my emotions. My emotional maturity had skyrocketed. And it was all these things that I kept, like, giving that away to my friends, support, being an ear, advice. And then I'd be like, oh, I'm having coach. I've got coaching. And people would be, are you giving coaching or are you getting coaching? And I realized that that um, lack of clarity was really that people really believed that I would be a good coach. So even though I got this epiphany in May, it actually didn't really kick in until November. It took me like whole six months to sit with that, to play around with the idea of what it would be to be a coach and could I really do that? Like, was what I had to say something that people could pay for? Because I think when you get traveling, there's, you kind of start to rely on the thing that makes you the money, right? It's easy. You know how that works. You know, I'm a copywriter by trade. Like, that's what what I do now to make money. Um, and it's safe in many ways, but it kind of kills my soul. Like, 
every time I do it, there's a little piece of me that kind of dies because I'm not doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing, which is coaching. And I've had to deal with a lot of the stuff around coaching, how I felt about it, what other people said and how I feel about that. But really, when you look inside and you've really I've tried so many things, I've played in so many gardens, if you see what I mean, like I've I've tried running my own business. I've worked from here. I've done social media. I've I've allowed myself to explore what could make me happy and find me purpose. And the coaching is the next step for me. Like it's the culmination of everything that I've experienced as a nomad, the people that I've met, the stories they've told me. And it's just me passing on that love to other people. Like that's what I really think it's about. It's a, I don't know if comics I have necessarily um, interviewed a bunch of coaches, but funny enough, the episode that comes out next week and you'll be the week after is Willow Sana, who's also a coach. And when I jumped on the call with her, she's like, Hey, just heads up. I'm super drained right now. I'm going to do my best. But I just, so you know, like I've been having a rough one and I'm tired and like, and the second we started talking about these types of things, like she just lit up kind of like you do. And she's like, you know, just like, this is all I want to do is talk about this. This lights up my soul. And like, and she does make a full, her full living. And she has been doing this for a long time, making a living off of her coaching. And you really do get to see someone like yourself and her slide into that place that they belong, where it's effortless, it's energizing, and it's like beautiful, you know? And that's a rare thing that you can find it and then make money on it. And you did say that you're a copywriter right now. That's how you sustain yourself. But as you develop this budding uh, coaching business, it'll be interesting to see like how that flows for you. You know, will it be something that you can then just rely on completely or will you have to balance it? And it'll just be another revenue stream. Um, and because maybe you don't want it to become that thing because a lot of times if you just do that one thing, that you know you love, it does turn into work and a job and you can start to resent it. So what do you think? I mean, do you think you could make that your full time and be satisfied and not ever have it turn into that, that thing that you, that steals from you, that steals your soul? You know, it's quite interesting that you asked that question because I'm kind of a multi-hyphened person. So even though I copyright for work, I'm actually also a writer so I'm writing a fiction book as well. And I haven't really had the time or energy to do that. But I want to be doing that as well. So I want to coach. I want to write. And I actually am also looking at multiple income streams because I've decided that time for money is not – It's self-care is multiple income streams. <laughs> I fully believe that in 2022, six years into my journey, I've realized that it's just not sustainable, I think, for an entrepreneur. I don't think it's sustainable for a nomad to their exchange just their money for time. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, selling their like knowledge and their products and things like that. And I think it's a really wise move. I think it's important to have multiple ones, though, because things change all the time. You grow and just have to stop one and start another. Like, to, it's just not a good idea my advice is always to sort of ease into a new thing that's why I haven't dropped the writing because that's what I can do it's easy for me to get that kind of client in I can get money within a week you know and that sometimes is exactly what you need my coaching is a long-term build 
But one of the things I also decided to do with the coaching and realizing how much I knew about nomadism, specifically for like women from the UK, and I'm a writer, so I thought, oh, I'll write a book. So I just sat down, wrote a 16,000 word ebook guide to becoming nomadic, got a cover illustrated, and it's actually going to be launched at the beginning of next month. And that's how I'm kind of spreading my message without always having to just give my energy so I really relate to the having a lot of energy go like I when I'm coaching I'm fully in so it's going to be nice to be able to share a bit more of me without draining myself and over time I have goals to invest I want to learn about investing I want to maybe start a tea company in the future so I kind of got to the point where I'm open to a lot more things and just exploring and playing. That's kind of my approach these days. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what 2022 does bring for me. And that's cool because you did say earlier, like you're one of those types of people who can start something and make money rather quickly with it. And maybe it's not, everything's a million dollar idea, but at least it's enough to trickle in and support yourself as you continue to nomad. Um, and then you, your blog, I guess, is a good representation of where you're at in your head, in your heart, that people can check out too, right? The Joyful Nomad Life? Yep. So that's kind of my blog that I started, gosh, five, six, seven years. I mean, it's probably like eight, seven, eight years old now. What, I don't know when I got old. But um, that's kind of been a, a kind of like a marker of my journey. I never was a like, oh, I'm in Andalusia and these are all the things you should do here. I'm in America. Like my blog was always about what was going on in my mind. Like what were the things that were changing as I discovered to being nomadic? What were the things I was discovering about myself, my mental health, my, and I just kind of decided to commit myself to try and blog once a month every so often and really just share that journey. So it's kind of just straight out of my head, but I, a few people have said that they've really related whether they've been nomadic or not. So I think we're always people wherever we go. Like we're always people whether we're nomadic or not. Do you see yourself nomading for quite a few more years or settling in someplace? Have you found a place that you really love that you want to spend like six months a year? Do the whole like, oh, six months here, six months there? I kind of... I love Bali. Bali's definitely got a massive piece of my heart. And I, I would definitely go spend like three, four months there every year. That would be a really great place to land, recuperate, you know, work on some stuff, you know, knowing the lay of the land. But I still feel like I'm like a teenage nomad. Like I still feel like there's so much I want to do. Like there's places I've never been, places I want to go back to. Um so no, I don't really foresee, I've already like planned the next year out in terms of travel. So we'll see where I end up. You know, it's, it's, it's not, I don't really have a destination, just a plan to keep traveling on the path. Yeah. Ooh, can you tell us where you plan are to travel this year? Yeah, of course. So Mexico is kind of like, I get six months, but I think I kind of want to go down to South America. One of my characters from my book is from Chile so I'd really love to go there and see the Marvel Caves because that's in my book. I kind of have this idea, like I'm writing this book about seven witch tribes from the different continents. So I really want to go to all the different places so I can uh, make it really come to life. Um, and then I think in August, I'm heading up to Canada. There's a conference in September called Seven in Seven, which is a nomadic conference um, for like 
not new nomads it's kind of like the nomads have been around for a while I don't know if you've ever heard of it but it's run by some people I know and they really just kind of bring that community another kind of nomadic community together so that's kind of the goal head back through England and Germany in October time and then I think I'm going to head over to Bali for November and then over to Australia New Zealand in the new year of 2023 (laughs) so but it's all just like a rough plan. Like I'm very flexible. I, I change, like I could just, if I had to change my plan tomorrow, I would just go with it. Like I'm not a stickler for it. And that I think is a really positive aspect of myself in terms of being nomadic. That is cool. The book that you talked about earlier is the same book you just mentioned with the seven witch tribes. Are there different books? Two, two different books. I'm writing a book called Dacos which is about international magic, which is a fiction book. And I writing, I wrote a book called um, Growing Nomadic. Um, so it's really just about those first steps uh, for women nomads, really like what do they need to think about, cards, jobs, income streams, health, where do you healthcare and safety and just all the things that I've learned parceled up into this sort of short e-guide, um, which... I, someone commented and said it's the best writing I've ever done, so I'm feeling pretty proud of myself. <laughs> That's awesome. I have had a few guests on the show, uh, Derek Murphy being one who specializes in helping people write and launch their books. He's like a wizard with Amazon. Oh, wow. And then um, Esther, I forget her last name, but she's also does she hosts these writing um, retreats all over Europe where oh, wow. she, she guarantees that she will you'll have a bo- your book written with by the end of the retreat um but it's cool and inspiring to hear your story because everything you just said is what i want my life to look like like traveling here and next month and three months there and finishing in bali like and i'm at the point where i've had to kind of surrender to probably piecing it together kind of like you have with multiple income streams like i did a surf course many years ago that just didn't work but i literally just got off the call about an hour before we jumped on with a friend who reached out saying like, Hey, you need to create a course. I'm like, well, I already have one. She said, well, let me help you market it better. You know? So she may be reviving that. And I'm, I'm, I'm on Upwork every single day looking for work because I just, my soul wants to be in Mexico right now <laughs> surfing and I'm happy to work. I'll work seven days a week. You know, that's okay. As long wow. as I can be where I want. And I don't think I could do eight hours a day, but I could definitely do four to six, you know? <laughs> I feel uh, that. I feel and that. if I got to surf and then have beers at night with my friends, like I'd be in heaven. But oh, wow. with with that freedom that you get from the laptop, that's what I want too. That I can then close up my laptop and fly to Germany in October and see friends and maybe do Oktoberfest or that's something that's really in me that needs to come out. So it's definitely doable. I know it sounds hard. Like I'm still figuring it out. Like I know I sound like I've got it together, but I think it's a bit of a fallacy like sometimes we present this idea that it's all sorted like sometimes I'm just like like oh I'm just gonna go here and it'll work out like it's it's not all picture perfect but um I just kind of have that real faith in myself that it, and the community around me that they're, they're the ones that really make this possible and like the people I'm super grateful for whether they're like my home tribe or my nomad tribe um so big love out to all my tribe <laughs> Do you keep a certain number in your bank account to feel good, safe and secure financially, or you just kind of let it rip however it falls every month? Definitely something I'm working on. And it just, it's, it's flows in and out as it happens. Like 
if I want to go somewhere, I'm not going to wait till I have a lot of like, I just can't live my life like that at this point. But that's not to say that I'm not working on bringing in these extra income streams that will work to savings. I have a plan of what I'd like to achieve. Like, it, it's all in, you know, it's all in motion. I've got some stuff to heal around money. Like, I know people probably say stuff like that all the time, but like, you really do have to heal your like money stories and your set points and all the stuff. But at the meantime, I've got to keep living. Like, this is my only life and I don't want to wait, you know. And that's from the first day I started this to the day I, to today, I just make it happen. Like if I want something, I make it happen. Mm-hmm. Can you just give some perspective though? So an audience member who wants to do what you do uh, can relate to maybe like if you were say like an average month, what's your income or if you don't want to share that, that's fine. But like what kind of numbers have you dwindled down to that? I mean, I've scarily gone down to probably like 10 pounds in my bank account. Like, but often I know money's coming, like, because I have work and contracts and stuff. It's not like I have savings that are like going to go and I've got nothing replenishing it. But like I have at times just like had to buy that flight and it's taken ripped 500 pounds out of my account. And then I have to wait a couple of days and for the next paycheck to come in of a couple of hundred pounds, you know, because I work freelance now, it's not a case of like a paycheck every month. It's, you know, you can literally make money any day. And that's kind of a scary thing to like, I took on a project a couple of weeks ago and I had a four day turnaround on it and I got paid the day after I handed it in and boom, like I was solvent again. You know, like I am more of a paycheck to paycheck kind of person and I'm okay with that but also okay with knowing that I'm working to changing that, like to become more secure. So I wouldn't want anyone to feel like they couldn't go and do that, but also, you know, have a plan. <laughs> That's right. my advice. And that leads to my last and final question. If you were to speak to one female out there who wants to do this, what kind of words of wisdom or inspiration could you say to motivate them to take that first step? Oh, that's a really big question. Like, I have to think of a second. I want to tell them to figure out who they are first before they decide on things that are permanent, whether that's a relationship or children or even the country that they live in. Take time to work on yourself, go on a trip by yourself, you know, explore your passions and things and know who you are. So when you turn up to a relationship or whatever decision or anything that you're doing, that you can protect yourself and remain true to who you are. Um, And I think that's kind of the best thing I would want to share. I think that's beautifully said. Folks, check Emily out at the Joyful Nomad Life or at her coaching, Ignition Point Coaching. Awesome, Emily. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. And folks, definitely check out her website, ignitionpointcoaching.com. All the links are in the show notes, but you also want to check out her new ebook, Growing Nomadic, UK Women's Edition. I think it'll be very helpful to anybody considering how to maneuver into this lifestyle. She's a wealth of knowledge and has been doing this for quite some time. So thank you again for joining me. Please subscribe. If you haven't already, just pull out that phone and subscribe. Leaving a review is always helpful. And again, I'm considering compiling a dozen or so of the most powerful episodes from the past and putting them into an ebook. And I'd love your feedback on the types of themes that you think would be worthwhile reading about. So thank you again for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful. See you next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, 
and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.